Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast. After a short hiatus, uh, it is great to be back. And today, I'm not your only host. I am joined today by Hillary, Laura, Tatiana, and Catherine, who all called in with questions for my guest today, who is Anna Jager, our 2022 Tour Divide winner. She hails from Anchorage, Alaska, but I caught her in Denver, Colorado, uh, right before she attempts the Colorado Trail Race that kicks off this Sunday. So this is a fun and timely episode to uh, hear all about Anna's Tour Divide win and get to know her a little bit more before we start watching her dot on this year's Colorado Trail. Now, today's episode, as I've alluded to, is going to be different than anything we've ever done before. After I invited Anna onto the podcast, I had the idea, what if um, I got some women to ask questions? Uh, so I put a call out on social media and we got quite a few. And then of those people who sent in questions, I sent a call out and just to see if they might be interested in recording their question for Anna. And uh, we did get quite a few, so I appreciate that. And you're going to be hearing from them later on in today's episode. Uh, most of today's questions came from women. So I thought that this would be a uh, fun way to get to know Anna and hopefully answer questions that are more relevant to women. And uh, hopefully that will reach a larger audience and only help to grow the participation uh, in our sport and in the women's field. So we had a great chat today and I can't wait to get into it. But before we do, I want to tell you about a brand new event that Bikes or Death is putting on, something we're very excited about. It is called the Bikes or Death Takeover. And the theme is that Bikes or Death is going to be taking over places, businesses, national forests, you name it, you might find us there. And our first iteration of the takeover is happening at Mulberry Gap. As you know, I've been a big fan of Mulberry Gap for a long time, and they are big supporters of Bikes for Death and the podcast, and we are super excited to be teaming up with them for this event. Registration is open now. If you are interested in getting all the details, you can go to mulberrygap.com. Uh, it is in their events section, and of course, you can find it in the show notes. I'll give you a quick overview, though, right now. It's going to take place from Thursday, November 9th through Sunday, November 12th. There's going to be a overnight bikepacking trip. We're going to have featured guests. We're going to have educational components. We're going to have a scavenger hunt, uh, we, of course, on bikes. Uh, we're going to have some other fun bike games and all kinds of shenanigans. You can select what level you want to be at. All of your food, all of your booze, all of your coffee is going to be covered. And you just pick, do you want a camp or do you want a cabin? Uh, more details, like I said, are available online over at mulberrygap.com or check the show notes. But this is a very limited event. I am really excited to host something that is 
non-race centric and really focus on the bikepacking community. This event is absolutely beginner, intermediate, advanced friendly. We welcome all and we will make it easy and fun for everybody who participates. Head over to mulberrygob.com. Check out the details. If you have questions, you can ask them or you can shoot me an email at bikes at bikesordeath.com. Like I said, this is a very limited event. I am so pumped to meet you in person and I'm excited about taking this online community and bringing it to the real world. So join me, won't you, at the first ever Bikes or Death Takeover this November 9th through the 13th at Mulberry Gap in Elige, Georgia. All right, before we dig into today's episode, let's take a moment to thank the people that made it possible, starting with our latest batch of patrons. And we have a nice little batch. I appreciate y'all so much. I've been on vacation and you're still showing me some love. Uh, so big shout out to Manu Catrice, uh, who was on the episode recently. Thanks, Manu, for signing up as a patron. Uh, Richard Miller, Will Gouty, Colin Schindler, Andy Field, Joer, I don't know how to say that name exactly, Joer, Adrian Garner, Nico Olmedo, and Fabio Garusi. Thank you all so much for stepping up and becoming sustaining members of the Bikes for Death podcast. We can't do it without you. And if you would like to sign up as a patron, you can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. All right. And today's episode is also brought to us by a new partner, Ombra's Sunglasses or Ombra's if you go by their website. Uh, you have seen these, I'm sure, on Instagram being advertised, but not only on Instagram, you have seen them on the faces of Ultra Romance. John Watson, Sarah Swallow, and yours truly. That's right. I've been a fan and a wearer of Ombras for a while now. I own three pairs, and I'm really excited to introduce this offer directly to Bikes or Death listeners. Check this out. Ombras is offering you $20 off a pair of sunglasses, but when you order a pair of Ombras, they're not only going to give you $20 off, they're going to give Bikes or Death $20. So this is an excellent way to get some dope shades, get a discount for yourself, and support your favorite podcast. It is a win, win, win. And if you don't know about Umbras, let me tell you real quick. They are the revolutionary sunglasses that don't have arms. Instead, they have lanyards that you won't even notice that they're there. The great thing about them for cycling is that you never have to worry about putting them in your frame bag or in your honeypot bag or sticking them in your helmet, and they're either going to get scratched up or lost. The lanyard stays around your neck, so when you're, you're riding from day into night, you're done with your sunglasses, but you don't want to lose them. You don't want them scratched up in your bag. Hang them around your neck, and they'll be right there the next time the sun is in your eyes. So all you need to do is go to ombras.com. That's O-M-B-R-A-Z.com. Pick out your favorite pair or pairs of sunglasses and use the code BOD20 at checkout to get $20 off your order 
and get $20 in my pocket, and I appreciate you. Okay, that is it. Let us get into today's episode with the 2022 Tour Divide winner, Anna Jager, who came in with a time of 19 days, 54 minutes. But before we do that, let's have Miles Arbor kick it off with the Bikes or Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Hello. Hi, how's it going? I can uh, hear my, you. Uh, I'm borrowing a computer, so sorry it's not my name on there, but hi. Hey, Gu- hey Gus. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, it's Anna. <laughs> I'm borrowing my boyfriend's computer, so here we are. Here we are. Is Does your boyfriend live in Colorado? Uh, nope. We both live in Anchorage, but uh, I'm, I'm here to do the Colorado trail race starting this weekend, so... Um, his sister lives here, so we're staying with the sister, which is super nice. Yeah. Oh, in that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Well, I was yeah. wondering what you were doing in Colorado, and that explains it. Yeah, that's it. I don't really <laughs> know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm getting into, but gonna ride my bike for a bit, hopefully. So yeah. yeah. You've you've done this before, maybe not the Colorado Trail, but yeah. you know you've ridden your bike before. I have done that. Yeah. <laughs> Did cool. you just get back from vacation? Were you gone somewhere? You said. Yeah, we did a little uh, family cruise, so um, really not my idea of a of a vacation, you know. Uh, but I have two little girls, and you know, it, it's good for the kids, you know, like it's good for the family, and they all had a good time, mostly. Okay. But uh, yeah, it was fine. Today I got home, and my AC isn't working. So that's oh. why I'm I'm dressed like I'm going to the beach right now. Actually, yeah. we're dressed very appropriately. We oh got God. the memo. It, yeah, it's so hot in Boulder, and like I am not used to heat, so I'm like I'm dying. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, uh, what is so hot? Because I'm from Texas, so yeah, that's true. I mean, like, I th- it's like in the 80s, 90s, you know, which is probably, t- I think that's typical here, but like in Alaska, yeah. like 60 degrees is a nice day in the summer. So yeah. like my, my, uh, yeah. Whatever. 60 I degrees is a, is a normal day in the summer. 60. Oh yeah. In the sixties. Like if it's in the seventies, wow. like you're like living, <laughs> it's pretty comfortable. It's very temperate. Yeah. But how are the uh, mosquitoes? Um, I mean, yeah, they're, they are a thing people definitely (laughs) (laughs) but like i don't think they're always as bad as people say they are and as long as you're like moving like like out on bike rides if you're like if you just stay moving you're good you know yeah yeah. just stay moving if you're faster than they are they can't they can't get to you yeah or like i guess they'll you'll like ride through a pocket that's like so bad and then you can but then you'll get out of it so i don't know yeah Man, I've been in vacation mode so long. I know Silk Road starts this weekend. I don't even know when CT starts. Yeah, um, it starts Sunday at 4 a.m. 
Okay, so I think they both start on Sunday at 4 a.m. Okay, oh, really? wow. Okay, cool. Wow. The Silk Road is Sunday also, you're saying? I think Silk Road starts Sunday at 12 a.m. Cool. Yeah, Dang their God. time, which I don't know what time that is for us, but, you know. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. that's a huge time difference. Yeah. That's crazy. So how much time off have you had since the end of Tour Divide and the beginning of the Colorado Trail? Um, Let's see. I mean, I finished the tour divide, um, like the end of June, uh, I got home. Yeah. Like very end of June. And then, um, I don't know. What is it now? August uh, 10th. So yeah. So like six now. weeks, something yeah. like that, maybe six weeks. Which I've been, I've been chilling hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I got home from tour divide and like slept for like literally the whole week, like a whole week. I was just like out for the count. And then uh, there's this big mountain running race in Alaska that, um, like, it's a big thing on the 4th of July, and my brother did it. Um, so I was always, I was pumped to be home for that. That was, like, my goal in the Tour Divide. Um, and anyway, so it's a big scene, and then I ended up getting COVID there <laughs> and <laughs> passing it to my entire family. So um, oh, no. then I had another, like, 10 days of, like, really chilling because of COVID. So I feel pretty recovered, I think. I don't know. Yeah. How much uh, riding have you got done to kind of maybe reamp up some training or are you just pulling off a tour divide at this point? Oh, I mean, it's been pretty mellow. I haven't done anything huge. I, I think I like ride in town or was riding in town around Anchorage, just like the mountain bike trails and stuff. Mm -hmm. And a few like gravelly rides. But um, yeah, I was not like putting in any big, huge days. I did this, um, there's this race called the Soggy Bottom, which is like a, a local it's a hundred miles in um the Kenai Peninsula area. And I did it as a relay with my two good friends. So that was sweet. That was like a fun, like, okay, yeah. this is what racing is like. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little reminder. Yeah. Well, Colorado trail and tour divide are obviously so different, both in terrain, technical, uh, the distance and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I know that tour divide, uh, I believe that was your rookie year on the tour divide. Will this be your first attempt on the Colorado trail? Yep. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've like heard about it. Obviously it's one of the big races and, um, it is for sure far more technical than the tour divide, uh, which is like, um, a little bit intimidating just because I haven't done a ton of like mountain biking stuff this summer because tour divide was my focus, but, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I don't know. I'm just like, I feel really excited about bike pack racing stuff right now. And like, I have a really flexible schedule with my job and things. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to go for it. Cause yeah. Cause I have the ability to right now. So yeah. I'm borrowing a friend's bike, which is really nice. He lent me like a sweet full suspension bike, which I was just going to use an old hardtail I have. So yeah. I don't know. I feel pretty well prepared on that front, which is nice. And then I was, was going to ask if you were going to ride your cutthroat or if you were going to switch oh. it up. Cause obviously oh. that's not, not the bike most people would pick for, for Colorado yeah. trail. I think that would have, that would be unwise, <laughs> but, but I mean, I, yeah. So I have when, like a, did you plan on doing Colorado trail or it, it almost sounds like you're kind of doing this on a little bit of a whim. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a whim. Okay, That's cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think I like after the tour divide, once I felt like I was pretty well rested and like recovered, I was like, dang, I was just really pumped on it all and wanted to find more stuff to do. So I was trying to figure out with like my work schedule and all what I could, what I could swing. And, um, 
yeah. And it's convenient because, yeah, my partner Gus's sister lives here in Boulder. So it's like we have a place to hang out to like get to the start. And it's just like con- it was convenient, like oh, logistically. Yeah. So, yeah. and it seems like such a cool route. Have you, have you been out there at all on the Colorado Trail? No, I haven't. Uh, I'd, I'd love to one day, but um, I've ridden around in Colorado, but never on the Colorado Trail. It looks, it looks tough. Yep, for sure. Yeah. It looks so beautiful. I've just watched a bunch of videos and like, Get I'm stoked. pretty excited to check it out. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, after you've done 19 days on the bike, I feel like five, six, seven, whatever it's going to be, will be uh, probably <laughs> a walk in the park. At, or do you think that the terrain is going to be so gnarly that it'll compensate for, for the lack of, you know, extra days? Um, I think like, I'm not, I, I think it's going to be a huge challenge for sure. Like the technicality part and yeah. uh, the, the elevation, I think is going to be big for me. Like the tour divide was high at a lot of points, but like, I felt like we worked up to that, those higher elevations. And this, like, I feel like I'm kind of jumping in from like my sea level self from Anchorage. Um, yeah. So I think that it will be hard for sure. But um, it does feel like, like five days feels more approachable than the 19 day thing. Yeah. So it's, I, I guess I'm thinking even, uh, probably mentally, it's just gotta be so much more appropriate, uh, approachable because obviously Colorado trail is very technical and challenging. It's, it's the elevation is really high. Um, but it's for a shorter window. So you're like, okay, I can, I can mentally do this. Yeah. Oh, totally. And like the, like I think about the sleep part and like sleep dep- deprivation was a huge thing in the tour divide obviously because you're just like it's such a long time like not very good rest and i'm like okay five days of that it feels like like it won't be easy but it feels like something i can at least imagine a little bit more than yeah you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself you're you're on the eve of it so oh yeah no i'm like i could tell you're like guarding your words a little (laughs) yeah i'm definitely I'm going to, I know it's going to work me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Is Katie Strumpke going to be in the field? Do you know? You know, I don't, I've seen, um, her husband's name is Andrew. Andrew. Ben? Andrew. Yeah. I've yeah. seen his name on the list, but I didn't see Katie's unless it's been okay. added more recently, but yeah. that would be so fun. I never actually got to meet or talk. Oh, with you didn't. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. such a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. She's awesome. She's, yeah. She she's gave you a, Oh, I know she was giving you a run out there on the tour divide. So I was thinking oh, yeah. she might help, you know, motivate you on the Colorado trail too. <laughs> and she's like yo-yoed this, I think. Right. Like done. Yeah. Back. I think maybe yeah. I listened. I don't know if it was your podcast. Or it something. was. I, it, yeah. it maybe was. Yeah. I, I had them on, uh, the shrimp keys, Andrew and Katie. I think it's, is it Katie or Kate? Gosh, Kate, oh, Katie. Katie, right? Yeah. Um, both on after they they did individual time trial yo-yos of the colorado trail uh which was super badass so yeah That's and then then yeah. she gave you a, a nice run for your money out there on the tour divide and uh, was, for anyone who doesn't know she was on a single speed and so it's even like you know you got to yeah. respect that oh man i was so impressed just like when i was out there struggling i was like damn katie's doing this with one gear like she's strong (laughs) it's so cool it makes me like a little bit single speed curious but also kind of afraid (laughs) of that so yeah yeah. i'm not i'm not there yet i love my single speed but i'm not ready to incorporate that into bike packing yet yet, uh quite yet it seems like 
level. Yeah. Uh, that's several levels up and I don't, I don't feel <laughs> mentally ready for it. <laughs> well, we're going to do something uh, new and fun today. I appreciate you. Um, yeah. Being open to trying something a little bit different um, just for the audience. Uh, I had an idea to get questions mostly from women today. Um, seeing as how the tour divide didn't have a lot of women representation this year. I was like, what do women want to know from a tour divide winner? Um, I thought that felt more appropriate. So, uh, we're going to get into some of those. We got some audio clips and some people that just sent in questions. They, they asked me to read. So that's what we're going to do. But before we get to that, what I want to do is just kind of get to know you a little bit. Uh, and we've kind of been doing that already. <laughs> uh, just to circle back around, are you from Alaska or are you native? Uh, wait, that is native. Or <laughs> how did you come to Alaska? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was born there and grew up in, oh, wow. uh, in Anchorage. Yep. Um, wow. So, yeah, it's been I left. Right. Whatever. I grew up there in Anchorage and then I left to go to school in uh, Washington in Bellingham. Um, and then I ended up moving back to Anchorage, like amidst the COVID stuff. And it's like, it's, I love it. Yeah. Anchorage yeah. feels like a good place for me. So. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, that's where Lael's from. Yeah. And so there's something in the water in, in Anchorage. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Lael, Lael's definitely like a hometown hero for me. Uh, yeah. Like she's, it's actually kind of funny. We both went to the same high school at, at very different times, but like, and we're from the same part of town, which I always, I don't know, East Anchorage pride. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a ton of um, like Anchorage has a pretty big bike scene and uh, there's like so many women who are really good at endurance sports and like endurance biking. And I don't know, I feel lucky to have I feel like I know a lot of people that I can like look up to and have looked up to for a lot of years in that. Yeah, so. it's well, and I'm curious if we can tie this into the Anchorage Grit program. I know that you're involved in it. Were you introduced through that? And maybe you can explain what that is for people who haven't. I mean, I had, I, I know, you know, Alana Rose parent. Um, oh, uh, yeah. Did you have she, her on here? Yep. She's been on the podcast. I think she was our first episode of 2020, the youngest person uh, yeah. on the on the podcast so far. And obviously, Lael's uh, been on. And But just for people who haven't heard of Anchorage Grit, like, what is it? Yeah. Uh, so Anchorage Grit, it stands for Girls Riding Into Tomorrow. Um, and Grit was started by Lael and uh, Kate Rodriguez, who they just wanted a program for middle school girls, like based on bike adventuring. And um, so they started started it and ran it for several years um, with the whole goal of like, Eklutna Lake is this lake uh, that's like, there's a forest service cabin at the end of it and it's 60 miles away from Anchorage. So the whole goal is like, we're gonna do this big group camp out at the end as like a like culminating ride. And so there's a pro six week program that kind of prepares girls um, to be able to ride this big camp out ride at the end. Um, and yeah, so it does a lot of like community involvement stuff. Um, we do a lot of classes, like um, we did a bike maintenance class and let's see a mountain bike skills clinic. Yeah. Uh, we do a lot of just like fun rides, like to get ice cream or things. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just like, and yeah, so the whole deal is that um, we work with this, school called baggage middle school um that 
a lot of the students that are, or all the students in the program are like pretty unfamiliar with biking. Um, and we provide all the bikes, all the gear they need. It's totally free. Um, and yeah, we just want them to like learn how to have fun on bikes and like get around on bikes and make friends. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, the accessibility is a huge part of it. I mean, what, what you just said about free gear, free bikes, you kind of glossed over it, but that's huge, you know, for oh, people. Man. And yeah, like, so I, I came into this, into the Anchorage Grit program just this past spring. Um, and Lael and Kate have been the ones running it before. And um, yeah, so they like got the ball rolling with that and made a lot of connections to like, it's all based on donation or like, mm -hmm. and you know, donation of gear. Or this year we didn't have um, like bike sponsorships. So we had to like raise money to buy bikes. Um, so yeah, it's all, it takes a ton of work on the front end and from yeah. organizers, but it's like, it's such a meaningful thing. And so cool to like give these students the opportunity to like learn how to use bikes for adventure, but also to like get around, like Anchorage has a ton of bike trails and like mm. they can, you know, ride to their friends' houses or like eventually maybe ride to a job. Um, yeah. So I'm wondering but, if we're going to see a lot more uh, bike packers coming out of uh, Anchorage. I mean, you know, they have, and, and, you know, also from like an inspiration standpoint. So not only is the program in place being ran by people who have won the tour divide, you know, I mean, so they have Lael to look up to, they have you to look up to who are people in their community and Anchorage isn't, you know, a huge community. Uh, Actually, how many people do live in Anchorage? I know it's like the, I know it's huge for Alaska, but I'm wondering how it compares to like Houston or something. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know the exact number. I think it's like 300,000. <laughs> it's like 300. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's by far the biggest in Alaska for yeah. sure. So it's yeah. like the size of the town I live in, which I think is like a medium town. Okay. Yeah. 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 It yeah. doesn't, so not a like lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Not a lot of people. Yeah. yeah that's gotta be like super inter inspirational for, for girls that are getting into the program to not only have a program, but to have actual people to look up to and be like, Oh, wow. That's like the coolest part is, uh, like this past year, especially we had so many women that wanted to mentor and be part of the program. So we almost like outnumbered this number of students, like the adult leaders, which was pretty awesome because like, I don't know, just like felt like the girls or the students involved were like, felt really supported, I think. And yeah. um, how like, many students know, do you, oh, I'm sorry. How many, how many students do you typically have? Is it capped off in a certain number or? Um, let's see in the past years, I think, oh, I don't remember exactly. I think they've had around 20, um, or 30 even, but, um, oh. and they worked with a couple different schools. And then because of COVID, there was like a hiatus for a couple of years. So this past spring was the first, like, first time getting it going again. Um, and we had, I think, seven students signed up and it was hard. Like, attendance was a challenge. And um, mm. we're kind of, I think we got to, like, get the ball rolling again. Yeah. But everyone that was a part of it was like, and showed up consistently was really pumped. Um, well, that's good. They all want to come back and be student mentors next year which which is really cool because then i don't know it grows the program and it's cool for the younger students to have these older older students to look up to and learn from well for people who don't know alana's story um i'll plug her episode real quick yeah, because okay. she she went through the grit program 
and then wound up doing a thousand miles self-supported solo um, in Alaska on the one Alaska road. I mean, I think she did an out and back on the one Alaska road and did a thousand miles. So, I mean, at 14, Oh, I forgot to mention she's 14. She was yeah. 14 oh, years old. So, so impressive. Totally. Yeah. There's yeah. something in the water in Anchorage. Y'all are doing something right. <laughs> People like to get out. I think they like to adventure. Yeah. It's good for that. So, we have another, uh, little connection. I was told you're involved with shifting gears. Uh, is, is that true? Oh. Uh, um. Wow. Yeah. That's funny. I, so I went to school in Bellingham. Um, and I studied like I was an outdoor rec in education. Um, yeah. And I, I ran a program called power, which was another acronym, um, that was connected to shifting gears. Totally. I did like an internship with shifting gears through school and they kind of okay. helped me, um, get this power program going, which was totally based off of grit. Um, it was like a middle school bike program for girls, trans and non-binary students, um, at a middle school there. Yeah. And I, I had like big hopes to, uh, to stay in Bellingham and kind of keep power going. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. COVID. COVID. <laughs> Dang, what's your, how do you know shifting gears? Who do you know from there? Uh, Jenny Schmidt. She oh, was yeah. on, the, she was on the podcast. I, episode oh, really? 40 something, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. she just happened oh, to be down in Texas. I don't even remember how we connected exactly, but I knew someone that knew her and we all went out riding mountain bikes in Texas and afterwards, uh, had an interview with her, but yeah, oh, she's yeah. from, I believe she lives in Bellingham and I figured you yeah. had to know her. So yeah, totally. I, I, I haven't talked to Jenny in a long time. I don't know where she's at, but oh, yeah. that's fun. Well, Good. shout out Jenny. Hopefully you are doing well and shifting gears yeah. is doing well. I had a, I have a patron only podcast that I do for people who like support the show. And, yeah. uh, it, it used to be called shifting gears. Um, oh, really? and yeah, until I interviewed her, I was like, ah, that's hers. I'm going to, I not changed the name, but, nice. um, I just it's thought it was, bike theme. <laughs> it's a good name. It's, it's a legit name. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, so how were you introduced to the world of bikepacking and endurance racing? Hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of it comes from, uh, from my dad who he, my dad's always been really into like long distance stuff. Um, biking for sure. Also like skiing and, um, yeah, biking and skiing are kind of his big long distance things. And like in Alaska, there are a lot of those events. Um, my dad and my dad was often doing them when I was growing up. Like the Iditarod sport is this, it's now the Iditarod trail invitational, which is like a thing I totally would love to do someday on my bike or skis. Yeah. But um, yeah, my dad used to do that and I would like hear about it. And I think that was like probably not super consciously when I was growing up, but I think that, you know, it's like oh. introduced me to the thing that, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Also my, both my parents, um, did a lot of bike touring when they were like my age. Um, so I think I, I heard a lot of those stories and was always really intrigued. Hmm. Um, yeah. So how but, old were you when your personal journey started with, you know, bike packing specifically? Like when did, when did that start for you? Yeah. Um, I think, let's see. Uh, probably like when I was in my sophomore year of college, I, uh, I was pretty feeling <laughs> real existential on the school front and, um, whale had her women's scholarship, uh, to ride the Baja divide. 
and That's I right. was really interested in that. Um, I think I applied for the scholarship and didn't get it, but I was like, man, I this adventure sounds really cool. So I kind of rallied up the gear and everything I needed to go right. I took a quarter off of school and rode um, the Baja Divide with, there was like a group start, kind of an inaugural thing. Um, yeah. And yeah, there were, I didn't know anyone. So you really. did the group start? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I believe if I remember correctly, Lael was like, we're going to start this day, this time you can come camp with us the night before. And then, you know, if you're there, we're just going to go all right or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That was so cool. So grassroots. Oh man. It was, I so wanted fun. to go. I remember that trip. I was like, I, re I really wanted to go to that. That'd be so cool. Oh yeah. It was like such a good intro. I, I like didn't know what I was getting into, but I knew I liked riding my bike and uh, it just seemed like a really cool adventure. And I ended up meeting so many really, really nice people that like, I was, I think I was 19 when I started. So I was definitely the youngest and people were so kind and really like took me in and helped me out, which yeah, I, yeah, that was definitely a, a really positive intro. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. We have yeah. some questions about your connections to the community later. So there might be some good tie-ins there. Cool. Um, so like when did the idea of actually racing the tour divide, like come into your head? Hmm. I, yeah, I've like thought of that, thought about it for so many years. Um, like through college, I was always like, dang, that seems like a really cool thing. One of my good friends had done it. Um, so I'd like hear about it from him a little bit, but I honestly, my, my biggest thing was like, I hate camping alone. Like I'm really <laughs> afraid of the thought of having to like sleep out by myself. Um, I think because of like wildlife and just being like, a young woman, I guess out there, but I don't know. I, but then and whatever I, I did some practice trips. I did like a solo trip around Alaska last summer that like felt like that really pushed my boundaries. Um, and like made me feel a little more comfortable and yeah, I guess this past, I think it, I, I thought about it all winter. I was like, I really want to do this, but I still have these like fears. <laughs> um, but then like, end of winter and into spring, I was like, you know, I just got like, I have the flexibility and like, I'm just, I just got to do it. Like this is the time. So yeah. yeah, just made it happen. And really those things were not nearly as scary as I thought they'd be. So, well, yeah. you'll have an opportunity to talk about some of those again, because we did have questions about, about that. So um, yeah. we might dive a little bit more into that too. Cool. Um, so this year, 16 women signed up for the tour divide out of a field of, let's see, check notes, 193. Uh, so how aware of that were you and, and how did it or did it not affect you? Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I, I looked at, there was like a little Google spreadsheet, um, at the, you know, before the tour divide was starting or whatever, just to get get people's names out there. And I, so I did see those names and I, I could, I noticed the, the lack of women compared to men for sure. Um, and it, I mean, it's always a bummer, but also it's like, never feels like a huge surprise. Cause unfortunately that's like how these events often seem to go. Um, so I was just like, well, I hope, I hope I find cool people to ride with <laughs> regardless of gender. Or, so yeah. 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 It, I felt like it was a shockingly no, low number and I actually wish that I went back and looked at previous years just to kind of gauge 
Yeah. Just, I, I just, I, you know, for my race that I host, uh, we got 18% female, uh, participation. I actually know on Instagram, my, my followers are 18% women. I'm wondering if that, Ah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but I did find that was interesting. And, and if we do the math real quick, I mean like 16 out of 193 feels like less than 5% of the field is, is women. So it just, it seems particularly low. Um, then it was kind of interesting. They had like this past for this year, they did wave, wave starts Mm -hmm. and, uh, um, there was like a few iterations of the waves you're going to be in. But then the final one was that there was like basically an all women's wave. There were a few, few things off of that or a few people went in different waves, but yeah, that was kind of a, it was kind of cool to do that. But I was also like, dang, this is all we are. Like there's no, no other women out here, but, but it was cool to like be able to put names to faces right before we started in that. So, yeah. Well, I mean that, that statistic right there, 16 women out of 193 participants was the reason that I was like, okay, how can I, you know, hope maybe use this episode to reach more women. And, and, and I feel like the best way to do that was to allow them to send in their questions and hopefully, you know, address any concerns or questions or hopes and dreams that they have. Uh, and, and, and instead of just coming from me, so you ready to uh, have the first question? Yeah. Thanks for all right. coordinating all that. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. I appreciate your energy into that. I'm, I'm excited. A, I'm really excited. I uh, Listen, I have two daughters and I want to grow this sport in every way imaginable. And so I wish I had this idea before. You know, I actually think it's it's a good idea and a way to kind of elevate other people's voices rather than my own and my own guy brain and the way I think about stuff. So. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I appreciate you being willing to be the guinea pig. All right, let's try this. Here we go. Hey, my name is Hillary. I am from Denver, Colorado. And my question for Anna is what does she do to stay, um, motivated and I guess sane when, you know, either riding through the night or dealing with like really long stretches of isolated terrain? Um, I think, I mean, it's such a simple thing, but like music was so, was really big. Um, yeah, I, I'd like beforehand had downloaded as many podcasts and like music and stuff that I could onto my phone. And then, um, I ended up, I was, got so tired of it all that I think at one point I like posted on my Instagram story and was like, friends, like, please send me any playlists you have. And, um, people totally did. They sent me so many fun, different playlists and variations of whatever that, that like, was motivating and that it gave me things to listen to, but it was also so nice to hear from people and like have, I don't know, just like a little emotional boost of like hearing from friends and like that they're encouraging me that, that like meant a ton. Um, so yeah, there's that. I think that, uh, I did, I rode with, you end up riding with a lot of the same kind of people, like within your, within your little zone. Yeah. Um, and that was really fun. Cause I got to know new people and like, I don't know. It's, it feels good to be able to go through those hard parts with other people. Um, yeah, there was, let's see. Did you ever have a time I'm ad living here, but did you ever have a time where, I don't know, it was like a sketchy section or something and you just chose to like stay with somebody. Is that a strategy that maybe you would implore? No. Yeah, for sure. Um, there was the whole, uh, like winter weather, watch i'm sure people have heard about um 
And so, yeah, leading up to that, I was riding with, um, uh, yeah, two guys that were around me, um, Adrian and Chris, and we, we got to Ovando, um, after a long, rough day of like being kind of on edge about weather. And then we were all out of food. All of us were, and, uh, yeah, everything was shut. It was like, I think it was like 11 or so. And so we're like, okay, I guess we're just going to push on to Lincoln, which is the next town. I think it was like 60 miles or something, but, um, it felt like kind of big push to start late into the night, like early on in the race, but we were like, okay, we're going to like group together. We'll have three lights and like, just be able to chat. And that was, that was so big. Um, cause we ended up riding up and over, I think it was called Huckleberry Pass. Um, and it like was totally like snow sleeting on us. Like, oh God, so gnarly. And it, it was like the beginning of this all. So I was kind of like, oh my God, this thing is crazy. Just kept, it kept feeling wilder and wilder. But um, yeah, and then at the top of the pass, we were all bundling up and getting ready to go down as it's like snowing on us. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, we, we started to descend together and I just like totally lost both of my brakes. Like they, my pads were just like shot from, I think just like really crappy, condi- muddy conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was like dragging my foot <laughs> to get down the hill yeah. um, and down the path. But it was like, these two, these two guys were like just ahead of me. And we like, I don't know, it, I would have been so spooked to be by myself, but we had like made this little like pact to be like, Hey, yeah, we're going to ride this together. Like we'll just help each other out. Um, and yeah. So I like, whatever they, they stopped and waited for me while I put in the one extra brake pad I had <laughs> and, and, uh, with and frozen made, hands. Yeah, totally. It was, ugh, it was messy, but, Man. um, yeah. And that, so having people around is so big. Um, in, did you, did you play any, do you play any mind games with yourselves? Do you give yourself like, you know, checkpoints to make it to, or anything like that to kind of like, I don't know, just engage your brain and keep it, uh, thinking and not going insane as, as our, as our caller put it. Yeah. Like that it is. I mean, obviously it's, a really long event so trying to think about doing the whole thing in one go is like so overwhelming so i i think that my method was like i just every resupply point was kind of my like motivation because i mean it feels so good to be able to go get some new food and like i don't know just take a quick quick break off the bike um yeah so that that was a trick i used like just looking forward to each town and then like the bigger towns where there was like maybe a milkshake spot or like mm-hmm. some kind of big treat. Like that was extra motivating and uh, <laughs> food. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's all like very food motivated well, and sleeping really like, like that was one of my biggest fears was like camping or sleeping alone out there. But, yeah. um, it feels so good to sleep that, um, every time I was like, when I'd like hit the, my time frame, where I was like, okay, hey, I'll, I'll sleep now. Um, that was like such a treat to be able to lie down and take a nap or take a rest. And, um, my fear part of that, like being out there alone was hardly ever an issue because I think I was just always so tired that I was like, Oh, I'm just so grateful to be able to sleep. (laughs) Even if it isn't as long as I would like to. (laughs) Oh, that's how you overcome your fears. Just get so tired and worn out that they can't bother anymore. You know? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's one way. Hey, it worked out, right? No bears ate you or, mountain lions yeah. I mean, you got to take all the right precautions too like but True. but yeah yeah fall asleep after you hang up your bear bag or whatever you're gonna do to yeah yeah after that all yeah. right 
Let's see. Uh, all right, here we go. Hi, Anna. It's Laura Bailey from Bentonville, Arkansas. And my question for you is what was the biggest mental challenge you had to face during the 2022 Tour Divide? Thank you so much. Um, let's see. Dang, it's so fun to hear people's voices. I, I right? Like it's, I love yeah. this. And I'm going to stitch them all in. It's going to be great. Cool. Yeah. Uh, biggest mental challenge. Um, there's, I mean, there were a lot for sure. I, I have a, I have a, I have a way to break this up. Maybe did you yeah. have, uh, like what were your mental challenges going into it? And then what were your mental challenges actually on the race mm. itself? Yeah, cool. Going into it. I think it was like, um, I, I mean, I was not super familiar with the route or like, you know, I'd, I'd done like some research or on, on just the route overall. And like, I had like the resupply points and all laid out, um, on a map to look at, but, or, um, but like, it was pretty daunting to be like, Oh, this is such a long thing. And I, I feel pretty underprepared, but then I realized as I was out there, it's like, you kind of just take it as it, as you come, like, as long as you know where you can get food and water next. Um, and like where you might be able to sleep and then also like planning how to, how to deal with weather. Um, it's like, it feels like a lot easier. So I think just the, like the scale of it was really daunting going in. Um, it sounds like the scale going in was daunting, but then once you got out there, you gained the perspective of, next resupply next resupply yeah yeah it all kind of like shrinks down into smaller pieces which that are easier to take on yeah yeah okay um yeah what about when you were there i mean god this year was so hard with the weather and everything i don't know how you pick a biggest but maybe your top three or something (laughs) yeah while i was in it let's see um one big mental challenge is like the the sleep deprivation <laughs> um like that i'm i'm like pretty new to all this you know like the tour divide was for sure my biggest event or biggest thing to take on on my bike um and so i i you know people have all kinds of recommendations about how they've done sleep stuff so i was like hey i'm just going to kind of experiment and like see what amount of sleep feels good for me um more and less um but yeah, getting really tired and trying to like manage that and know that you also need to keep moving was hard. Um, but it was also kind of fun because like, I don't know, I'd get to such goofy places that like <laughs> things would just be really funny or like I would just like laugh at myself. Like I thought I was really funny, <laughs> um, I don't, which is just like kind of entertaining. Um, but then there were also like, oh, like it, I would get so worked and so tired feeling and, you know, like just like really emotionally exhausted and any little thing would like cause me to, you know, you'd have to, I'd have to like take, take a break, take a step back and be like, okay, big picture. Um, yeah. So the sleep thing was, was big, but I think that you just learn when you need to take a break and then also when, when it's okay to keep pushing. It's Uh one thing to say the words, you know, just zoom out, big picture it, but you know, were there ever any moments where you were really low and, you, I don't know, maybe thought about quitting or, or where you really had to like dig yourself out of a bad place. And, and, and if so, how, how did you do that? Yeah. Um, there were several, there was a lot of snow in the Northern sections. I think the snow caused some, I was like, what the heck is this thing that I'm getting into? But one that, uh, really sticks out is like in, in New Mexico. So in, in the Gila 
National Forest. Um, so it's pretty close to the, to the end. Um, and I don't know, they always warn in that, it seems like in the New Mexico zone that like, it's going to be really hot, be prepared with a lot of water. You know, like that's the, the mindset I went in with that, into that section with, um, especially because like, I'm not usually very good in hot heat stuff. Um, But then it ended up being like ridiculous monsoons, like endless rain. And uh, there was one night when it was, I was riding with his friend Colin and we were just like riding into this horrible downpour. The road was just like a a river. And uh, it was, it was only like nine or 10 at night, but we, he ended up stopping because he was cold and wet. And I was like, okay, hey, I'm going to try and keep pushing because I want to get further. But I got, was like so mentally exhausted from this, just like just the weather um, and this unexpected turn of how, yeah, just wasn't what I was expecting. Um, yeah. And I, I set up my tent or my, my little like tarp and uh, got into my bivy and was like, I, I knew that was the right call then um like mentally i needed i needed to sleep and just like try and get warm <laughs> yeah yeah you're like hey i already went through the snow you know i already did the hard part like give me a break yeah. here yeah man it felt relentless <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's over now it's over now all right <laughs> ready for the next one <laughs> yeah all right let's see here hey anna my name's tatiana i live in the comox valley on vancouver island bc in canada what i'm wondering from you is if you've made quality lasting friendships in the bikepacking or bikepack racing community and what those look like for you, how you maintain them. Maybe some of them are local, maybe some of them are, you know, people you're quite geographically spread out from and also what you feel like you get from these friendships that you maybe don't from others in your life. All right. Good question there, huh? Yeah. Dang. That's a super nice question. Oh, I love that one. Um, Let's see. Uh, I've definitely made good friends. Yeah. Like, I guess in the tour divide specifically, I feel like I've met several people that I would like, I would love to go bike with them more. And it's kind of funny, like, especially at the end, I was riding with um, two guys that we like pushed through the final night together. And that felt like a big, a big thing that we all went, went into together. Um, And then, you know, we like had endured all this hard weather and, um, like really, really exciting points and also really hard challenges throughout the ride. So then, yeah, I felt like kind of bonded through that. And then at the end, like all of our rides came and picked us up and we kind of just split ways, which it felt kind of anticlimactic and a little bit sad, but I'm also like, man, these, like, we all understand this experience like better than, you know, like the three of us together with yeah, mm-hmm. any other. So that was cool. That's like, those feel like special connections. Um, yeah within within racing i think also um racing and bikepacking in general uh yeah i have there's two i think this is kind of touches on like the women in in the sport um uh my two friends kate and grande are people that i've uh i did some bikepack racing with in alaska and we ended up we did the kenai 250 and rode a lot of it together which was like such a fun fun time to like ride with two other women in this like pretty hard event. Um, And then we also ended up leading the grit program together. So we have like the racing component where we spent a lot of time in challenges there. And then we'd like, would go ride bikes middle schoolers together, which was goofy. Um, And then they also joined me for 
right before the tour divide as kind of like a trial run. I did a ride from uh, Glen Allen to Haynes and I was looking for people to join me and I called on Kate and Grande and they were like game right away. Um, it's just so sweet to have friends that like, you know, you can trust in those, like in these kind of adventures um, and that you like, you know, they're totally capable um, and they like, yeah, like they're totally supportive of and encouraging of like these long races. Like, I don't know if I like doubt myself or I'm like, man, this feels like a weird way to spend my time. They're like, no way. Like they're totally understanding of it and like encouraging. And that feels so cool. I wonder to pick up on her question there, how that differentiates from other friends in your life and what are, you know, your other, you know, people who aren't bike packers that don't do tour divide and you go to them and you say, Hey, I'm doing tour divide. How does that conversation play with them versus your, um, uh, Grande and sorry, I forgot the other name. Yeah. Kate is her name. It's, I think all, like mo all of my friends are totally encouraging, which like means a lot. Um, and like, they want to cheer me on, which I love and my family too. Um, yeah. But then those two, it's like, like I mentioned it to Grande and she's like, okay, here's how I'm going to help you out in all these different ways. Like with prep when would like, they're, they're great to like go on rides for rides with beforehand. And like, um, but like help me size up my bike and you know it's like there's logistical things that they'll help with too and they just like totally know what what those uh i don't know what it's like to be out in those events i guess yeah. and in those like really challenging mental spaces um yeah yeah so yeah, our friends are uh great at any level i think whenever you're going bike packing i mean at some point level yeah it's great to get like solo self-sufficient be out there a hundred percent by yourself but I mean, mechanicals happen, things happen. It's nice to have friends out in the woods when you're doing hard things. Oh, for sure. It makes it way more fun to share those space, like wild places too. Like when you're looking at cool things and yeah. like really beautiful places, it's like, dang, I love seeing it by myself, but it'd be cooler to share it with other people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's no, I get that. Sorry. I was in the divide riding with other people. That's just like another perk is like, you can like be in awe of a place with other people. Yeah. which makes it more special. I think. Yeah. It's a nice thing about sort of it. It's so freaking long. You can actually like enjoy it along the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> You're going slow enough. You can stop and uh, smell the roses uh, every once yeah. in a while. Yeah. All right. Sure. Let's get a, you ready for the next one? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Hi, Anna. My name's Catherine. I'm from Bozeman, Montana. As a woman bike packer, I often find myself feeling limited on the amount of trips I can take and routes I'd feel safe to ride by the fear of going solo. I know most of the fear stems from being surrounded by Gers country here in Montana, but also just the general implications of being a solo female. Obviously, while racing the Tour Divide, you spend a lot, if not most of the time, solo on the trail, pedaling through remote sections and areas full of wildlife. I'd love to hear about how you've overcome some of those fears and how you're able to feel safe out on a trail like the Continental Divide alone. I think it's super badass. Super badass. I agree. <laughs> oh. that, that is the question, right? That's the big question. How do you overcome those fears of wildlife, of people, of all, all the things? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I definitely relate to her point. I think she said, like, bear country, white, or yep. Montana, and, like, I feel that in Alaska too. Um, uh, yeah. So I think 
I mean, there are things that everyone does to mitigate that. Um, I did a lot of yelling, <laughs> making noise for the bears and I had a bear spray. Um, I also had a bear horn, which like, I think not everyone carries both, but like, I was like bear, a little bear horn is so small. And it gave me just like that much more, uh, confidence if I were to like have some bear encounter. Um, yeah. So I think like the gear that those things are key. Um, did, did you have any bear encounters? Did you have any wildlife encounters that were notable? Yeah. Oh, I saw a ton of bears, um, in the Northern, like, uh, Grizzly or black, you know, uh, both. Yep. Wow. So, um, mostly black bears. And usually I could like, I was making enough noise, like coming up, up on them that they would just run <laughs> off. But, uh, there was one that like was kind of just like trotting down the road at me for a while. And that's the one time I used my bear horn. And I was like, I may as well, I brought this thing with me and it just, it took off right away. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Like, like I said earlier, that like the solo part is what totally was like a huge barrier to me wanting, like, I feel like I would have done this earlier <laughs> if that had not been, I felt really motivated to do the tour divide aside from being really nervous about the solo part. Um, and I think that for me, like doing it with the grand apart added a level of comfort because I just like knew there were tons of people out there. Um, and like, it feels comforting to have, even if I, I would ride so many hours a day by myself, but I knew that if I like stopped for not that long, someone would come upon me or I would catch someone at some point. Um, so that was big. I often, what um, was your, uh, in that same vein, what, what do you think just estimating maybe like, what was your longest stretch where you were actually alone? Like where you didn't see anybody hmm. kind of curious. Yeah. I was like back enough, you know, like I was surrounded by a lot of people. We had a pretty yeah. solid group. Um, I mean, I would ride all day by myself, but usually if I, once I hit a resupply, I was so slow <laughs> at the resupply points. Like people would roll up into the gas stations as I was like still slowly picking, trying to figure out what to eat. Um, but I kind of liked that. Cause then I was like, Oh, nice. They're my, they're my friends again. And then we'd often like leave together, um, which was sweet and, and kind of ride together. And then I think like, especially when the weather was bad and like there were, there were thunderstorms, um, a few nights and like, we, I would be kind of grouped riding with people into the evening. And then oftentimes that just led into us all like camping in a similar spot, um, which like made that, that it wasn't solo anymore. So that was yeah. comforting. Um, yeah. It really? I, I mean, I think what you're saying to me actually, cause okay. If I did the tour divide, I would, I would be around a lot of people. I wouldn't be like Sofian at the front, you know, once you, once yeah. you get out of the Sofian and Adrian and Manu and you get totally. back and there's, I mean, 190 people out there. So, you know, there's yeah. people and, and the good, there's lots of good things about that. The people in the towns know you're coming. The bears, uh, know that there's people around, so they're yeah. less likely to, to come and check things out. Cause they don't necessarily want to mess with us too much. Um, so I can see a lot of advantages that people may not even think about if you're thinking 2,700 miles. Well, yes, but you're actually going to have people around you, uh, you know, from time to time, you know, it's not these days of solitude and all this stuff that one might imagine. Yeah. It's like, it became, it was a more social thing than I was 
expecting i think which was yeah, yeah which was nice and then i think like that's a sweet thing about the like grand part of the tour divide and then but then leading up to that like like last summer i uh i did a trip in alaska but i was like hey i'm gonna do this by myself and i want to like try and get over this fear of being out here alone um and it was it was spooky but i went to areas i started in areas that were like kind of familiar to me um which i think added a level of comfort and also i'd like planned to camp in campgrounds you know where like there were other people around and then as i got more comfortable i could like branch away from that and uh do things that were more more remote or like more on my own but i think that like working up to that helped me hmm. to feel more comfortable in it all yeah I, I think that's great advice. And I, I extend that to anybody who's, whether you're getting into bike packing or you have a fear, you know, start small. Don't, don't throw yourself into the, the wood to the wolves or whatever, you know, just start small and like work up the, your comfort level, whether it's using your gear or being cold, being wet, being alone. I mean, whatever it is, you don't have to throw yourself into the deep end the first time you, you do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I like, it is so, it's such a good feeling to like recognize yourself overcoming those fears and like, it, it, I don't know, feels so good. And so I, yeah, I would like, I want everyone to be able to do that and feel that for sure. That is the power from the, you get from the, the superpower you get from bikepacking is realizing how, I mean, our last caller, Catherine, said how badass you are. I mean, you know, legitimately being able to, you know, ride your bike across the Tour Divide, or even if it's an overnighter, we shouldn't downplay your first overnighter and go take your stuff camping. I mean, all those are super empowering uh, opportunities uh, that are available to us. And yeah, yeah. You, you get you get the opportunity to just keep pushing a little bit further, but you don't have to jump into the deep end. Yeah. I know another, this is just another way that came to mind to kind of practice yeah. that. Um, it's like you go out on a trip with a friend and like you like maybe ride together for most of the day, but then you can kind of like camp in slightly separate spots. Um, I don't know. I feel like I think that's a good way to practice it too. Cause it's like, you know, you've got your friend there mm -hmm. if you get super spooked or something gets weird, but, but like odds are it's going to be all fine. And you're just like, yeah, you'll feel better about it all. So I think that's a great idea. And you're the first person in 124 episodes to ever share that idea. So oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think you might. I, 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 that's a great tip uh, that I'm not sure many people would think about, like the idea of, you know, ride together and then just, you know, but and still have that solo camping experience. But if things got weird, you know, there's a safety blanket there, but then at least you know what it feels like to do everything, whether you're setting up your tent or you're cooking, like it's just you, you know, you're doing yeah. all that. So totally. that's a good tip. All right. That's the end of our call in questions, but we have more write in questions and I think it's worth, uh, just thanking all the ladies who, who sent in questions because I think that was super awesome. Yeah. Oh, it's so fun to hear. People's I know. People are tired of hearing from me. Let's mix it up a little bit. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah. well, maybe not. Tired. But it's I like I like the variety. I like the variety. Yeah. Oh, it's fun. So this is from occasional bike packer. How did it feel uh, to hear that Zoe Shotterlot? Shouterlot? I don't know her name. I sorry, I'm butchering it. 
Um, but she was essentially leading the race. Y'all were very close. Um, and she dropped out in Durango, maybe, um, if my memory is correct. I think Silverthorne. Silverthorne. Um, yeah. How did, how did that feel? Were you, and I guess to, you know, set the stage here, I mean, were you in race mode with her? Were you feeling her as your carrot? Um, yeah. So Zoe, Zoe's from Europe. Um, I think she maybe lives in Brussels. I don't remember exactly, but yeah, she was, um, we didn't, I didn't meet her until like a few days into the race. Um, and we just like kind of crossed paths a couple of days. Um, and I, she, she was super nice. And like, I don't know, she made some funny jokes, I think. And I remember <laughs> being like, dang, I want to ride with this woman. Cause it's sweet to ride. All the people I were riding around was, it was, they were really nice guys, but, um, I don't know, just the dynamic of having another woman to ride with was something I was like missing. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I was like, dang, it'd be fun to try and catch Zoe and ride with her. But I, I was like, oh gosh, there's no way that's happening. It, she seemed way, way far ahead. Um, yeah. And I was, it, but it was sweet. It was a good motivation to be like, Zoe's up there. I'm going to like, I don't know, just keep riding my own race. But um, it'd be fun to like, I don't, you I don't were think more I motivated, like you were more motivated to go talk to her than to race totally. her. Totally. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's that very true. I was really motivated. I wanted to hang out. I think yeah. <laughs> so that, that was a big thing. Um, and then. Which is a perfectly fine motivation. I love it. Yeah. yeah like, let's catch yeah. her so we could chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was. And she was so strong. She was like, I felt like she was, kept gaining on me day after day. She seemed to have like a really consistent sleep schedule and like, um, I don't know, which it worked well because I, I was not as organized in that. And I think it, it definitely like slowed me down. Um, but whatever, that's just what I'm I'm learning how to do that stuff. But uh, yeah, then I heard she dropped out and I was honestly, I was pretty bummed because I was like, dang, this event already has so few women in it. And um, she's so strong. She's doing so well. And like, I knew she was on track for her, uh, her goal time, but um but also I was like, you know, good for her for like recognizing what she needs. Uh, Cause like it is, it was brutal. Like the, yeah. just like the conditions. And like, if you're not, if you're not like loving it, then it doesn't feel, feel worth it. So. Um, Do you know why she had to, or chose to drop out? Um, I mean, I never actually talked to her about it personally, okay. but she like posted things on Instagram, I think. And uh, that I saw briefly and it, it seemed like she just like wasn't having fun, which, oh. um, yeah, like she'd done it, I think in 2020 or 2019 or something previously. And, um, then had wanted to come back and do better. And I, yeah, it seemed like she just like, wasn't, I don't know. I should ask her. <laughs> Maybe okay. I should, I would love to like ride with her. She at one point was going to come up to Alaska this summer to do another trip. Right. And I was like, Oh man, we should hang out. Um, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen. But anyway, that's I would just, love to like catch up with her and get the lowdown, yeah. just share experiences. But all right, well, yeah. hopefully Zoe will uh, come fill you in in Alaska. I just yeah. remember that uh, Pepper Cook is in Anchorage too, isn't she? Oh, um, yeah, that's name sounds yeah, totally. She, she uh, she's also- not a local, but she just moved there like a couple years. I think during the pandemic, maybe. Cool. Um, but anyway, she's been I on the podcast I- too. Yeah, she uh, we had a grit fun an Anchorage grit fundraiser at one point at like a local women's bike shop and I think Pepper was there and she was brought like good energy yeah, yeah. I don't I've never actually met her 
uh, in person. Yeah. But that's she's hard end. to miss. She's like six foot something or, or so. I'm six two, and <laughs> I think she's about my height. Oh, uh, nice. But you're right. She has a she has a great energy. She's a she's yeah. awesome. Cool. Um, oh, and what about? I wanted to ask you. So after Zoe um, pulled the plug. You had Katie Strimke right on your heels. I'm getting the impression you're not super racy and not super competitive, maybe. But uh, how did that relationship with Katie uh, motivate you to to keep staying ahead of her? Or were you more inclined to slow down and, and talk to her? <laughs> um, man, like I think that I I'm like not always super competitive, but then sometimes it's like flip switches. And I, yeah. And then I like, I'm like, oh dang, this is full on. Um, okay. So yeah, I know like with, with chasing Zoe or being right behind Zoe, sometimes I felt like I, when I felt good, I was like, oh, I want to try and catch her. Like that would be so cool. And then other times like when it was not feeling so good, I was like, whatever, I'm just going to try and hold this spot. And like, it'd be cool to catch her, get to ride together. But um, yeah. But then I think when I suddenly was in, was the first woman I felt like some pressure from that which was it was a cool motivating pressure like I was really excited about it but I was also like oh dang this feels like a whole nother level of hard now like now I I gotta go for it um yeah and there were several times when I was like Katie's gonna catch me like <laughs> once I stopped um I don't even remember where it was exactly but um somewhere in Wyoming maybe and uh or no, it was in Colorado. Yeah. Anyway, I stopped and took a shower at this place. And then I was like, I'm just going to camp here for a few hours. And then I had heard that Katie was like not far behind me. And I was like, oh, tonight's the night. She's getting me. I know it. Um, but I think the weather was bad and it slowed her down. But anyway, yeah, I think I felt I felt motivated. Um, what was your goal going into the race? Uh I mean, I, I mean, I would assume you had a goal of going fast since you were at the pointy end of the race from the very get go. But, um, did you have a goal of, of winning? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not think that was no. Um, I, let's see, I think my goal time was maybe 20 days. Um, that's like what I, you know, you have to like put your, mm -hmm. the goal you want to complete it. And then I think I'd, I like in my mind, I was like, it'd be cool to do it faster. Like, I know I want to do it faster. Um, but yeah. So, but I thought that was a reasonable goal. Really. I like, this is kind of funny, but, uh, I wanted to get home in time to watch my brother do this, uh, mountain running race, Mount marathon mm -hmm. in Seward. So that I was like, okay, I got to get home in time so that I can fly home and be home on the fourth to watch my brother do this thing. Um, yeah. and then, yeah, as I got out there, I don't know. The weather was a big, big factor. And like, I was like, well, this is really slow going. It might not, might not work out, but I, I just want to complete it. Um, so yeah. But then as, as, as things improved, I was like, I don't know. Yeah. My goals you, kind of changed throughout, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I mean, yeah. I, if you put a goal of 20 days, you're you're close to where you have to be thinking like i don't know it's some like you could be in that position you know like you're not that far off from a conversation of maybe being in the top three or top five at least you know maybe but that's that's a pretty fast pace um but yeah so it's interesting you just went in with a time goal 
mostly motivated by being able to go see your brother. And then, yeah. you know, in Colorado, you were now leading the Tour Divide, which, I mean, let's be honest, like the Tour Divide, winning the Tour Divide, you know, Sofian talked about it that on, a, on whenever I interviewed him after his win. You know, that was an eight year goal. I mean, he couldn't get that monkey off of his back, you know, and so you went in with a 20 day goal and and uh, were, was able to win your first try. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah, thanks. I, I mean, I am I don't mean to downplay it. It like it felt like a really cool thing and does feel like a really cool thing. Um, yeah. and like something I'm proud to have done for sure. But yeah. And then also like like Sofian, you're saying with him how it's like this ongoing motivator. Um, I don't know. I'm like, dang, sure. I finished it in my like 19 days and one hour or whatever it was. But I want to I like feel like I could do it, do it better, you know, or at least do it more smoothly like it's so I kind of under I always thought people were kind of crazy for going back and doing this again and again mm -hmm. but now I'm like oh I kind of get it because like you understand the route better and better each time and like you learn the little like just the efficiencies and resupplying and like sleeping and yeah so it's kind of a cool it seems like it'd be a cool challenge to go back and try and improve upon what I have done especially with but well okay like the weather was crazy yeah but it also is kind of like dang the weather might always be crazy from here on out like that's kind of the it could kinda what it was like so did you see that new york times article that came out yeah. yeah yeah that was cool so next question i wish a woman would have called in and asked <laughs> and uh, we'll see how comfortable you feel just answering this one. But I have I got several questions from people who wanted to know about periods, hygiene, Ooh, yeah. products, and how do you address that on the Tour Divide? Yeah, nice. That those are good questions. Um, let's see. I guess uh, like honestly, my period is like really irregular, so I kind of went into it like being like, well, I don't know. I always just kind of deal with it when it comes like it, it, whatever, which is like, that's a me thing. But, uh, I, I kind of thought my body would like be under such stress <laughs> and like exhaustion that maybe I just wouldn't get my period. Right. Um, but then it turned out that I like totally got it like at like the worst time possible. <laughs> it was like when there was this like winter weather alert and, uh, I, I was riding with these two guys uh, like through the night, like I was talking about earlier, um, into this, into this like snowstorm and I had nothing to deal with it. Like I had no tampons or like whatever period cups. And I was like, Oh man, I'm just like bleeding into my shorts, <laughs> which yeah, was, it was kind of comical looking or it's funny looking back, but then I was like, Oh, this just adds to like the challenge. And I only have two pairs of bike shorts. Like I'm going to have to clean my clothes at some point. Um, yeah, but I think they have, there are totally a lot. I, so I guess I went in unprepared is what I'm saying mm -hmm. on that, front. but I think there are a lot of people have a lot of good recommendations that I've read about. Uh, those like period cups seem pretty sweet and like good, good for like hygiene. Um, I, I don't, don't know. The chamois, so what? I think you don't what I don't ride with the chamois. Um, I just wear like, I think they're just like hiking shorts basically from like REI that are tight like bike shorts but um i think that's been big for me as far as like um yeah just like chamois hygiene or um i don't get i haven't had issues chafing with that and uh it just feels easier to keep 
my shorts clean. Which I remember Lael way back in the day on the podcast was like, ooh, diaper, you know, and she's yeah. always ran with just, you know, thin uh, hiking shorts as, I, I don't know, maybe, you know, air things out a little bit more and, you know, you know, and have so much bacteria built up and yeah, quote unquote, a diaper. Oh man. I mean, it's nasty. Like, yeah, I think stuff just like festers in those chamois, especially when you're out there like days on end and you can't really wash them very well. Um, Yeah. I've had, I've had like enough bad saddle sores, I think from chamois that I've just given up <laughs> and I, I got a sweet bike seat or like fitted for a better bike seat right before the divide, which, um, was so, so key because yeah, I, I didn't really have that many like saddle sore issues. So uh, what bike seat is it? Uh, it's the specialized mimic, I think. Okay. I yeah. don't know that one, but it worked yeah. for you. Totally. It was sweet. Yeah. 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 I guess oh go ahead go ahead oh uh I don't think this is like any secret but I I got like some like slight chafing like saddle sores and uh but right away I put like baby diaper rash cream on it and it like heals it right away overnight at least for me so that was sweet yeah so what about uh the hygiene aspect of it Mm, yeah um I I always carried like I had like a little pouch of like baby wipes and like toilet paper that I always I had on me um and I would try and like I think that that is super key for just hygiene short hygiene um yeah and would you wash out like so you say you had two shorts were you mm. going into bathrooms and like washing them out like how are you cleaning those or yeah. I assume you were yeah totally I would uh I traded out they'd get like, yeah, they just get sweaty and dirty, like pretty quick. So, um, I would rinse them out sometimes in like gas station bathrooms, um, or just in like creeks along the road. Um, a few times, let's see, I stayed in a couple of hotels, like split with other people and I'd rinse out my, all my clothes in the shower. Um, Mm -hmm. often I just put them on kind of wet, but it'd be nice if there was a dryer to use to dry them out or, uh, once I stopped at an RV park to take a shower and they also had like a, um, like a washer and dryer. And that was so nice. Cause I got like a true clean of all my clothes. Um, yeah. so yeah, like any opportunity to like really clean stuff felt important and, and even just like taking a shower. Um, yeah, it was like a mental reset. It also like felt like it gave my muscles like this really nice break. <laughs> and, uh, it's like a yeah. rebirth. Totally. Yeah. And it was just like really important hygiene wise, I think. Yeah. I, That's like I such a part in the divide is like keep it clean. I I did kind of underestimated that, but yeah. Keep it clean. Yeah. What I just had this, I've never had, had this thought before, but on the topic, is there, I assume there, I don't, is there some kind of concern with being on your period and grizzlies or black bears? I mean, <laughs> knowing that, has yeah. anyone done any research on that? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I think I've like heard things about that that are I don't know. I'm not worried okay. about that. Yeah. All right. Like, well, Google it. More interested in my food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is All right. funny. Well, good. Yeah, we had several questions on that, and I can't contribute to that. So there you go. Uh, Joe Costa on Instagram. It's, I think it's J.O. Costa. That's their Instagram handle. Um, cool. So what was your training like? You're coming from Anchorage, sea level. 
Uh, how did you train for the Tour Divide? Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, like Anchorage is, it's like super wintry a lot of the year, you know, like, um, yeah, there's snow on the ground. So I do a fat bike. I have a fat bike that I ride a good bit. Um, but fat biking is so different than, than like summer biking or gravel biking. It's so slow. Oh my God. In the winter time, I'm like, there's a, there's like a point where I start going crazy. Cause it just feels like it's like such a slow inefficient thing but it is really are you riding are you riding groom trails when you fat bike or are you riding what are you riding yeah that's a good question um uh anchor does a ton of trails that are groomed and like multi-use so they're pretty packed out which is sweet and then um people also like it's kind of like a just a local local thing is uh there's all these single tracks that people kind of like pack out on um snowshoes like if it snows a bunch they'll be like okay hey, we're rallying a party to go do a pack out the single track trails and then they get all they're better better to ride once they're packed out um mm-hmm. yeah so that's sweet i also do a ton of cross-country skiing honestly that's like probably my main activity in the winter and backcountry skiing uh just because i don't know i like snow sports so and that's like what i've grown up doing um but i think yeah that i was like when I like decided, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do the tour divide. I was like, oh damn, have I been biking enough? I don't know (laughs) because fat biking doesn't feel like the best preparation. Um, I did do, I did like a, there's a fat bike race in North of Fairbanks and that felt like a good, I don't know, I guess like things like that, that are kind of like make me push harder on a bike, even if it is winter conditions are cool. Um, but then once spring hits, I like try, I tried to ride my bike as much as I could after work. Um, I was working on like a carpentry crew, which, um, I was often like really wiped after work. Uh, so I'd try and rally to bike. Um, sometimes I, yeah, honestly, I, I was reflecting on this recently. Um, like I worked like a physical labor job, which I think like I should give more credit to like it, it at least prepared me mentally. Like I was working in really cold temperatures outside and like, yeah. So there's that swinging um, a hammer all day long or yeah. wood or whatever. I don't know. I've never been a carpenter. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So that I think that, yeah. Then in the springtime. So I was uh, working that job, that carpentry job, like I backed off on that and um, was only working like three days a week and then was leading grit on the two other days a week in the afternoon. So that gave me time to ride during the days, uh, those two days a week a bit. And I'd try and like, just go on long rides wherever I could out of town. And then, uh, I'd lead grit. I'd go ride with middle schoolers (laughs) and, uh, in the afternoons, which was always really fun. It was just like more time on the bike. It felt like, um, I tried, I'd bike to work every day if I could, which, that's like minimal, but I think that like any time in the saddle is like, I don't know. There's value to that. You know, did you yeah. do any elevation training or did you get to Banff, uh, earlier to acclimatize at all? Or did you go in with your sea legs? Yeah, I kind of went in. Yeah. I didn't, did not really do any serious elevation training. I get, Oh, one big thing I did was, uh, I mentioned it briefly, but so there was like, we had grit and then we did our grit camp out, which is like a 60 mile ride out to the cabin, um, with all these middle schoolers for two nights, which was awesome. And then right after that, my friends and I left Anchorage and we 
went just north to Glen Allen and we rode to Haynes. So that was like a 600 mile trip. Um, and I feel like that, that was like a, that gave me some confidence in like, I can ride my bike for long days. <laughs> I like know how to use the systems I'm carrying, going to be carrying on the tour divide. Um, and then I, yeah, from there I flew to Washington and like did another little trip there with a friend. So just like further practicing those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, I kind of, I had a few days in Canmore before the start, but the elevation, you, thing, I think. Did you, just you feel, did you feel the elevation when you were out on the tour divide? Did you acclimatize on the trail essentially? I think it was kind of on the trail. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. For, uh, the first day was probably, I feel like I probably felt it a bit, but yeah. it, I don't know. I was never like going hard enough. I think that it was like, yeah, I don't know. It's all like relatively mellow pace, at least for me. So I guess if you, you know. have good cardio, you have good cardio and cross country yeah, seeing uh backcountry cross country seeing and all that. I I've never done it, but I know is very good cardio. Yeah. And honestly, so is fat biking. I, I've only done that once, but you might be going slow, but you're pumping a big bike through snow, a lot of resistance. It's just a slog. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think that was, that was like another, uh, maybe like kind of a barrier was like thinking I needed to do really specific training. And I know some people do, and it really works for them, but, uh, that's not quite, that's just like, not my favorite thing. I don't, I don't love really structured stuff so it was cool just to be able to like as long as i have an active lifestyle i feel like i can make it through well i've okay. said this a million times but it's something i really value about the sport of bike packing or the activity of bike packing is um there's no one right right way to do it I, there's not yeah. one training plan but people come in from all walks of life with different approaches and you know, and, and it works. So it's, yeah. uh, I think that's one of the cool things about it is the variety. Yeah. I love that too. It, it was really interesting on the divide to talk to people and the different like preparation approaches everyone took and, yeah. and then they're all riding together. So like it all, you know, it all evens out to some degree. There which, you go. Yeah. All right. This was another question where several people asked the same one. Um, what has your experience been as a woman in bikepacking? And, you know, I mean, that could include your Baja Divide experience to your grid experience to bikepack racing, you know, Tour Divide. But overall, um, how has been your experience as a woman bikepacker? Um, I mean, yeah, let's see. I mean, I love it. It's like one of my... It's one of my passions for sure. I love being a woman. Yeah. Um, and I really love being able to connect with other women that are into it also. Um, yeah. Uh, have you I, had I, any I, challenges? Do you feel like, do you feel like you've had challenges? People doubting you is, is one way that, um, the crest question was phrased, you know, is simply because you have a uterus, uh, are people doubting you more? Um, do, do, do you feel any of that or you just kind of um, stay in your lane? I think overall I've, I've, it's been like really just supportive and like encouraging me to do it. Um, yeah. I mean, there's been like a few interactions where I'm like, man, are you like what? Yeah. Where I feel a little doubted or like, like people don't are questioning me and like how I choose to like, uh, go about things, uh, or just like questioning my choices in pushing myself, but I'm like, overall, I think it's been just like really supportive. Like 
my family is really encouraging of all that. And like, I think I grew up just like with a lot, an active community around me. And um, yeah, that's super special. Like I feel supported and I, yeah, I just want everyone to feel that because yeah, everyone should be able to go do this stuff. It's so fun. Well, you do have the benefit of, of a family. You are exposed to this type of stuff, right? So that's yeah. that Im- that imprints itself onto your mind the same way all of our familial relationships, you know, have an impact on our life. And and the the unfortunate reality is a lot of parents aren't active. A lot of parents aren't taking their kids outside, oh and so yeah. there's not just women that are lacking here, but men also who are not getting the same opportunities, um, to, you know, to go outside and do this kind of stuff. And as we've talked today, one thing that I think that I've picked up on from our conversation is, is really the value of community, having friends that you can ride with or bounce ideas off of, or yeah, go bikepacking with, you know, and, and that seems like a really important part of, especially in the beginning of, of starting this journey. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I you're totally right. Like I've been so so lucky to have family that is encouraging of it and people around me. And uh, I think that's part, I don't know, partly why grit feels like a really cool program. And I would love for those kind of things to expand all over. Yeah, because yeah, because it is like, there's so many reasons that it's hard to get into this sport. Um, I mean, like, it's so damn expensive. (laughs) Like it costs a lot. And it's, it's scary. And and it's hard. Uh, it's hard. It's super hard. Yeah, totally. And the time, the time the to time. train, the time yeah. to do it. It's crazy. It, yeah. It's like all consuming if you want to go full in. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but you don't have to go full in. No, you don't you have don't. to win. You don't have to win tour divide your first time. Not at all. No, that's like, I mean, the best part of this is that you can go on like weekend rides with your friends, like right from home. Like that's the best part of bad bike packing. Yeah. It doesn't take crazy you know you gotta have a bike which but it can be any bike any bike that rides is a, is a good Absolutely. bike and luckily i think our community and and even uh in cycling culture like beater bikes or and clunker bikes are cool and you know restore your 90s bike like all that stuff is is cool you know like oh, no I one's gonna yeah. yeah everybody loves it and i yeah it's great we're recycling bikes they're they're not dead in a garage somewhere so yeah it, it really is a you know, get any bike and start riding. And I like what you said about the grid, about going to get ice cream. And I think having fun and even like what Zoe said, if you're not having fun, like what the fuck is the point? You know, like unless you're a sponsored athlete and you're making money or whatever, it's like, let's, you know, let's have fun and let's prioritize that. Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, making making it fun, doing it with friends is what is the best part. Speaking of fun, I got a couple fun, easy questions to close out the show. So Jesse wants to know the all important question, dill or sweet pickles? Ooh. And this is probably a nod to your Instagram post because you're eating a pickle. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Uh, You know, that one was definitely, it was like kind of spicy, which was pretty pretty rough because I had lots of sores on my mouth and lips. (laughs) (laughs) It burned. Uh, Honestly, I'm pretty into this, into sweet pickles typically though. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Kayla Hall from uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Hey Kayla. Um, First meal post divide. Mm. Uh, Oh, I had a big plate of pasta. It was like Alfredo. 
Where? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh man, my mom picked me up at the end, and we drove to Tucson to fly out. And I think we were like, we went to Olive Garden. <laughs> I, yeah. Got All like, you can eat breadsticks. Yeah, totally. And we, oh man, I ate like a bunch of pasta, a bunch of breadsticks, and then went and slept for 15 hours or something. So, <laughs> is was pasta the thing that you wanted? I mean, we talked about food being a huge carrot and a motivator. Was that the thing you really had your heart set on? Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not, I don't like love, whatever. Pasta's good. It's not my favorite yeah. food, but it was what I was craving then. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got to think, um, you know, your body is so starved. It's going to, you know, whatever you're craving, it's like, it's probably the thing that your body needs the most. And if you're like, oh, that pasta looks really good. It's probably because your body wants those carbs. Yeah. Oh man. On the last night, uh, I don't mean to talk more than we have time for, but oh, we have all the time. Keep talking. Cool. Uh, the I was riding with um, two guys that, like through the night for our final push, and we stopped at a Denny's in Silver City <laughs> the night before, and like loaded up on. I just ate so many breakfast potatoes, <laughs> and then I took some like fried cheese sticks to go, and that was that was really hit the spot then. So I'd eat that right now. Yeah, Both I know. We do good. actually. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed to. I'm not on the tour divide. So fried cheese sticks are off the menu. Oh, whatever. You could go. You can always eat that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm curious. I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but any any advice, any thoughts for women um, on, on getting into bike packing? Hmm. Um. You don't have to speak for all women, but. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean. If, you, if you're into it, if you want to try it, just go. I don't know. Like, I think going with friends is big. And, like, um, trying to, like, take start start small and then go from there. Um, yeah, just, like, you know, you can, like, get really fancy with gear and all. And, and that is kind of fun sometimes. But also, it doesn't take much. You can put stuff in a backpack and, like, strap things on random places in your bike uh, and, like, ride from home. And, yeah. Or, you know, like, I don't, yeah. Like, just know, biking. Go ahead. Sorry, go for it. I don't, not a full okay. thought. Okay, fine. Um, I have non-full thoughts all the time. You know, <laughs> the term mansplaining gets thrown around a lot, and I'm sure there's a lot of that. Uh, I know that from doing this podcast for a while, hearing, you know, that it is intimidating to be a woman and even to go in a bike shop and, you know, ask about, you know, bike advice and stuff like that. Um, have you had similar experiences like that? Do you have, um, or has that not been your experience and people are mostly just kind of, I know you had some really positive experiences on the tour divide, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I've, I mean, I've definitely, I feel like I've faced that stuff. Um, and like, it frustrates me a lot, <laughs> like all the time. I, yeah, I feel like honestly, like going into bike shops intimidates me a ton. Like even, even some of my home shops uh, that I feel like I go into often, I'm like, dang, I feel like I know what I'm doing, but still I go in here and yeah, feel, feel kind of small, but um, I've, I don't know. I've like found just like creating relationships with uh, like shops and then they get to know you and like your personality and what kind of riding you do. That's kind of sweet that takes a lot of energy. Uh, but, um, that's too bad. It's so, I have a, it's I hard. do have a, I do have a theory on this though. Um, I think men 
are mansplainers to everybody because as like now that I have a little bit of a public, uh, whatever, uh, uh, you know, bikes for death is, is out there. It's on the internet. It exposes me to every opinion under the sun. And I can tell you over the years, I can't tell you how many emails or whatever DMS I've get from guys telling me you're doing it wrong. You should be doing it this way. You're not doing it that way. You fucked up here and never, never, as a woman sent me a message and uh, said, and told me how to do my job. You know, it's like, I, th- I think that men just have a problem. And I think, I think they probably do it more to one. I don't really know. I've never been a woman, but I have noticed now that I'm in more of a public arena that I'm opening myself up to a lot of opinions and criticism and a hundred percent, they come from men, which I think yeah. is interesting. Yeah. Ugh, man. Yeah, that's annoying. <laughs> I, I think I've like I have tried to find a lot of women bike like biking specifically, uh like girl models to look up to and I like kinda like learn from them and try and like really follow what they're doing and how they go about things. Um and then like in my own smaller community I like have made connections with other women who bike and then you know, they're like people to bounce ideas off of. And then from there maybe you know, it just feels I can go into like a bike shop feeling more prepared <laughs> for what I'm looking for. Or something. Yeah. 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 Well, hopefully I, I, I really hope, um, I hope this episode is a, is a little bit more palatable and informative for women. And, um, I'd, I'd love, again, I have two daughters. I want, I raise them in the outdoors. We go yeah. bike packing. I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully your dad, right? I'm hopefully the example and whether they do bike packing, but the most important thing is, an empowered and an adventurous life, you know, that's, that's the thing. And, um, I, I'm really want to focus on how to make it a more even playing field, a more accessible place for everybody. Um, and obviously women included. And so I, I appreciate, I hope that this episode does, does a, a decent job of, uh, not just representing, you know, me as a male, but, um, can speak to women at large. Um, cause it's always something I've, I, it's been something like since the very beginning, I, I used to say I wanted to do 50, 50, 50% women interviews and 50% men. But, yeah. And, and I, I mean, I really could, but it is, there is a huge disproportion in percentages to available, um, people to talk to and stuff. So, um, you know, let's grow it. More people to talk to. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, I had something to chime on with that, but, oh, I was going to ask how, how old are your daughters? Oh, uh, I have a 12 year old and a five year old. The five year old is almost six. We'll call her six. Fun. Oh, that sounds awesome. Dang. Yeah. They're, fun and hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're full of energy, I bet. Yeah. All right. So Colorado Trail Sunday, uh, what are your goals going into this one? Uh, do you have a time goal? Do you have just having a have fun goal? I think, um, I don't, yeah, uh, I really don't know what to expect. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> going in with no expectations. I really, it looks like so stunningly beautiful. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to see it. And I want to, it sounds fun to try a new thing of like doing a really long, uh, more technical race. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to try and push myself to some degree, but I'm not, I don't want to make it miserable. So <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, we'll see how it goes. So, uh, and there's yeah. like a pretty solid number of women starting uh, this race, which which is awesome. Um, I, I don't remember the exact number, but I know Hefe, who's the director, said oh, that there's like maybe a bigger women's field than there ever has been before. So I don't know Ooh. if that, don't quote me on that, but. Well, I'm not yeah. going to just quote you. We're going to pull it up right now oh, while perfect. we're here just for fun. <clears throat> so women, so 12 out of 92. So percentage wise, that's uh, way higher. That's like 20 something percent. Wait, 12 uh, out of 92. That's huh. what it, that, well, okay. You know what? That's what's on track leaders and there's, and, and people can register up until like oh. the day. So Okay. It's only what's currently represented on track leaders and th and that can and will change. So we'll have to see what it actually ends up being. But, but even cool. if it's 22%, that's still better than the 5% that was on uh tour divide or whatever that was. So yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll well, get to ride with more women this time. Make I would more love friends. That. Yeah. I would really, really love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I've loved having you on the podcast. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, I haven't yet, but congratulations on, winning the tour divide. That's something thanks. that no one can ever take from you. It's yours. 2022. Thanks so yeah. Thanks. I just hope like, yeah, I think what I was trying to say earlier is like, I, you shouldn't, I don't, I don't want people, or I want people to just like feel confident to go for it and try big things. The tour divide's huge. doesn't have to be that big, but like big things on bikes feel really cool. So. Yeah. I actually meant to ask you this in that same vein earlier are you the type of person that would be open to people messaging you on Instagram, specifically women who had um, questions about anything gear to periods to whatever, you know? Um, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, totally. I, uh, my Instagram, I think is on private because I honestly don't, I don't post a whole ton, but, uh, no, you didn't make it very easy for me to research you. It was like yeah. your last post was like in 2020 or something. So yeah, yeah, I know, but it's a good way to reach out to you. Um, probably on there or, or like, yeah, Instagram, you know, and I, maybe I'll make it open at some point. I just, I like, don't use it. I feel kind of funny about social media sometimes. So I like, yeah. don't, don't have a huge presence on it, but, uh, yeah. Cool. I, but I, here's another thing with that is like, I totally rely on like having followed like Lail and all these, these women who do not just Lail, but, uh, who do cool bike packing stuff. And like, that's been such an inspiration for me. So, um, I don't yeah. know, I think, but not everybody has to do that. You know, like some, no, I think, you know, if some people like posting on social media and it's, you know, something they want to do or enjoy, or, you know, maybe they want to share their story and other, I don't know if you don't want to just, you know, cheers. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you. Uh, we tried something new. I think it went pretty well. Yeah, and, it was fun. Uh, thank you. This is yeah. my first first podcast ever. So awesome! Yeah, Are you, so this will come out. You'll be on the uh, Colorado Trail. Actually, it'll probably come out before then. But uh, will you listen to this episode? Yeah, pro I'll try to. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably nervous. Some to people do podcast, not but... like the sound. Of, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, uh, I I think I I listened to some of a I listened to a lot of like bike themed podcasts on the divide, which it's kind of funny. Cause it's like, I was like, damn, am I not tired enough of biking? Like I have yeah, to listen overkill. to this too, but, but it was kind of, it was like good motivation. So maybe it'll, yeah. it'll be the same. Well, maybe there'll be some women out there listening on the Colorado trail and you will be motivating them. How cool is that? 
Oh, dang. That would be crazy. (laughs) Well, thanks again. Have a good night. And we'll be watching your dot on the Colorado Trail. Good luck to you. you. Thanks so much. It was really nice to meet you. Over. Yeah, you too. Yeah. All right. right. Bye. Later. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. And a special thanks to Anna for being my guest and Hillary, Laura, Tatiana, and Catherine for helping me host today's episode. A couple quick reminders. Don't forget to head over to mulberrygap.com, check out their events section, and take a look at the new Bikes or Death Takeover event that we have scheduled there this fall, November 9th through 12th. They're at Mulberry Gap, and don't be shy to ask us all of your questions. We want to hear from you. Also, don't forget that when you buy a pair of Umbra sunglasses, you get $20 off, Bikes or Death gets $20, and you get a sick pair of shades. All you got to do is head to Umbra's.com, use the code BOD20, and winner, 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 chicken dinner. All right, well, as is the new tradition, today's quote is by... Ayn Rand, who was a Russian-born American writer and philosopher. And the quote is, The question isn't who's going to let me, it's who's going to stop me. thought it was very appropriate given today's episode. All right, everybody, until next time, you know what to do. Go ride your damn bike. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Bikes.